You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. How many of you tuned, tuned in to Miracle Service Abuja? See, God's power is real. It's real. Hallelujah. Well, time is fast spent and I have so much to discuss with you guys. Um, so let me just get right into it. Last week, I dedicated my time to the single folk. Amen. Today, I want to dedicate my time to the dating folk. So last week, we did pre-dating basics. What you ought to know before you start dating and um, today, I want to talk about dating essentials or the dating basics. Now that you are dating or you are about to date, what is it that you need to know? Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And um, I divided this teaching into um, three parts. Um, the first one is what to do or getting into a, a healthy relationship, how to get into a healthy relationship. The second is actually what is a healthy relationship. And then the third is getting out of a toxic relationship. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what's shouting hallelujah to. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, let me just put a caveat. I might not quote so many passages of scripture. All right. Um, however, a lot of things I would say are drawn from the wisdom that is in the pages of God's word. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so they are drawn from the wisdom that is in the pages of God's word. And so I just want to let um, both the wealth of the wisdom God has given me on the subject and the experience I have from my personal relationship and, you know, not just my personal relationship, but also counseling and interacting with people in relationships. I want to draw on that bank of um, experience and wisdom to just guide you through this. So let's start from getting into um, a healthy relationship. There are three things you need to know, one of which I spoke about last week. And the first is this. Be class conscious. Be class conscious. How many of you were here last week, Sunday? So you remember me talking about this? How that God created several animals and brought them to Adam to name them. And Adam did not call a cow his boo. Even if the sound they make is very similar to the name. He didn't call a cow his boo. He didn't call a snake his girlfriend. You know what I mean? He waited till he saw someone that looked exactly like him. There is an amount of class consciousness that is um, required in dating. And when I say class consciousness, I don't want you to just think about financial status. Because when I say be class conscious, the first thing that comes to most people's minds is money. Amen. Amen. Firstly, as a Christian, your first point of class consciousness is on faith. Listen, let me tell you something. I wish... And I'm saying this with all sincerity and humility of heart. I wish I could just tell every Christian, go to church on Sunday morning. But we are getting to the point where 
we can advocate for any church that stands anywhere that the word of God is preached accurately there. But right now, where we stand, it, it, that's not the case. And a lot of places need reformation. So, for instance, if you go to a good local church like this is, and the word of God is taught very accurately like it is done here, how do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't honor God's word? When you do. Notice that I didn't even talk about being in a relationship between a believer and an unbeliever because I believe it's a no-brainer. It's not a conversation we need to have. You should know. All right? But now I'm talking about even amongst two believers, you have one who says, I'm a Christian, but I don't really take it that... I just, it's just between me and God. And then there is you. Second church member, tongue-speaking, demon-casting, fire-breathing child of God. How exactly do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who is not on fire for God? Be class conscious. Do you get what I'm saying? Be class conscious. Don't let it be that the person you are dating is your biggest hindrance to spiritual growth. Because as it is, or as it should be, um, the person you're dating becomes um, your best friend or your closest friend. You know, you spend the most time with them. Which means that when it's time to pray with someone, you should first of all think about the person you are dating. Do you get it? So imagine you're dating someone who's like, uh, I don't feel like praying. Someone who, doesn't, who hasn't yet learned that you, you haven't truly learned how to pray until you learn how to pray when you don't feel like it. Imagine that's the kind of person you are dating. And so there's fire on the mountain at your end, and then you call your boyfriend. You say, Chike, please, I need prayers. Let us pray. And then Chike is like, can we pray later? I don't feel like praying right now. I, I'm playing game with my guys. And then you call him aside later, and then you're like, Chike, we need to talk. When it's time to pray, let's pray. And then he says, why don't you respect me? I'm playing game with my guys. Please, don't affect my bro time. How do you want to date someone like that? So you ought to be class conscious. Let your taste change. And, and listen, it is natural that in life, as you grow, your taste changes. Is that true? Let me give you an example. How many of you these days, if you are, okay, close to 30 and 30 plus, I want to call someone's name, but he's a guest minister, so I won't call his name. <laughs> but, <laughs> but how many of you have started to understand why your parents used to watch CNN? Raise your hand. If you caught yourself trying to find out what's going on and then you actually checked news, and then you're like, wait, oh, I'm actually watching news. <laughs> you're growing up, so your taste is changing. When you were in secondary school, your taste in guys was he's fine, he's tall, he's dark, loves the Lord. We usually throw that in so that people will not think we're <laughs> unbelievers. Loves the Lord, and uh, maybe he can play a musical instrument, and all of those things are nice. But like I said earlier, or two Sundays ago, now that you are grown, and Lagos has slapped you left, right, and center, somewhere between tall and dark, you have peace of mind. Yeah. 
he must bring me peace of mind. I don't want drama. Your taste changes. It is called class consciousness. So as you grow spiritually, let your taste change too. Now you know, I can't just date. I mean, imagine if I didn't marry my wife. Just... And listen, listen, let me tell you something. It's important because you don't want to be in a scenario, let me put it like this. At every stage you get to in life, you will face um, tribulations that match that stage. Try as much as possible to be with somebody who understands those tribulations and can hold your hand in the middle. Do you get what I'm saying? You don't want to be in a situation where um, many of you, I think at the crossover service, I shared part of the ordeals that I went through last year. I mean, imagine I was dating someone who was not knowledgeable enough to know that sometimes you go through temptations and tribulations and the devil can be mad. He do be moving mad once in a while. And so um, you can be prayerful and trust God. Imagine if that wasn't the case with the person I was married to. Imagine if the person I was married to had the mindset that if something is going wrong in your life, it's because you did not pay your offering or give your tithe or you must have done something wrong. You know, like Job's friends. Imagine if that was the mindset she had. And so we are going through a lot of things and then she has the mentality like a lot of men have. When they marry a woman and they will say, ever since I married you, things have been going wrong in my house. Have you heard, have you heard stories like that? The problem here is one person is more mature than the other. Be class conscious. It's very important. It's very important. It's very important. Be very class conscious. Before you even get to money, start from your faith as a believer. Because a lot of people think that money equates to maturity. It doesn't. And money, while money can be a good tool for leveling up one's mindset, it is unfortunate that many people might have money and refuse to level up in their, in their thinking. And so, you, as a person who is going into the dating phase, must be more discerning than how much is in the bank account. Now, I haven't said that money is not important. Money is. But it is not the most important thing. So when I'm talking about class consciousness, start from your faith. You can be class conscious about money also. I mean, listen, it goes both ways. As a lady... Uh, especially in this area, don't date a person who doesn't have not just prospects but the qualifications that you are looking for. And when I'm saying qualifications, when, when you want to employ somebody into an organization, you don't employ the person for what they know, you know, with respect to the role. That part can be taught. You employ someone for where they have been, do you understand? And the propensity to be, like, you employ them because you know that if you, if you employ them, they can learn what you want them to learn. Does that make sense? Yes. Have I made any sense to you? Good. So, if you want to date a person, and I'm saying this for the ladies in the house, don't date a guy judging his presence with your boss. You know, you, you work with guys who earn 
500,000, 600,000. And it's a lot of money. And then that's what you are used to. But there's this guy. He loves the Lord. He loves you. He's everything you want. But he's earning 150. And then there is the possibility for him to scale up. You can see it. That's what you should be looking for. Don't just say how much. Because for those of you who know, somebody earning 500,000 can fall to earning nothing tomorrow morning. There are many people nationwide right now that are earning 500,000 that by tomorrow morning they won't be earning a salary because they would have fired them. Do you understand? So you don't bank on such fickle things. When they have fired that person, how is he going to, does he pick himself back up? You know, there are, there are people like that. Once they hit um, a, a, a difficult time, they just stay there. You don't want to be with someone like that. Be class conscious. Tell your neighbor, be class conscious. Number two, um, before you date, have what is called the negotiables and the non-negotiables. All right, so I'm talking about your spec list now. Have what is called your negotiables and your non-negotiables. And really, um, there are some staple non-negotiables that everybody in this room must have. Non-negotiable, he must be a believer. He must love God and be on fire for God. Non-negotiable. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah, but then there are some things that are non-negotiable for some and are negotiable for others. Some people want him to play a music instrument. And it's so important to them, it is non-negotiable. Right? Yes, for some people, it is non-negotiable that he is tall or she is tall. Non-negotiable. All right? So... You can have your negotiables and non-negotiables. And listen, I think the problem why a lot of people aren't in relationships or get into wrong relationships is they haven't distinguished between what they are willing to negotiate about and what they are willing to not negotiate about. And so a lot of people who are not in relationships make the negotiables so non-negotiable that if they want everybody to you know, tick everything off their list. He cannot miss one thing. So from where you meet him, you want him to be tall, dark, handsome, love the Lord, but have bad boy vibes. You know, you want to date Domwen with Davido behavior. <laughs> and then he must know how to play musical instruments, have a great dress sense. He must be funny. He must not love football. And so those, so you write all of those things. So you meet a guy, he's tall, he's dark, he's handsome, he loves God, plays instruments, he has a good sense of humor, but he loves football. <laughs> so you say, no, I can't date him, he loves football. My ideal man cannot love football. You will wait. You will wait. <laughs> So know what your non-negotiables are. Do you understand? Now, I, I think it's important to say this. One non-negotiable that applies across borders, you must be attracted to the person. Do you understand? You, so let me put it like this. This conversation is rated 18. Viewer's discretion is advised. A good sign of a healthy relationship is the desire to be with one another. 
You know what I mean by, by be with one another? Pray together, have fellowship. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? So many times, Christians come and tell me, oh, we are struggling in our relationship. And I'm like, why are you struggling? And they say, oh, um, we're trying to um, stay off each other physically. And I'm like, see, it is not a bad thing that you have physical attraction towards one another. It must be there. If it's not there, something is wrong. Do you get it? Something is wrong. It must be there. You must be attracted to one another. And um, what, where the balance comes in is you are attracted to one another, but then you, you are able to discipline that attraction and that emotion to such a time where it is okay. Uh, and let me say this, sex is vulnerability. I, I've, always, I've been saying I will talk about sex for a while. At the height or at the foundation of every relationship and religion is two things emotions and impression emotions and impression at the base of every religion relationship is emotions and impression and at the height of emotion and impression is vulnerability do you understand so let me explain at the height of your religious expression towards God is a vulnerability towards God. That openness. And that's the reason why um, in scriptures, the relationship between God and the church is many times likened to intimacy. Because intimacy is spelled vulnerability. Do you get it? That I open up myself to you and you open up yourself to me is the point of intimacy. Now, physically, that vulnerability is expressed in sex. That's what many people don't understand. That's how God designed it to be. And this is why marriage is such a great, um, um, is such a great, um, what do you call it now? God, my adjectives are failing me. It's such a great opportunity or safeguard for that vulnerability. It's an environment that safeguards your vulnerability. The problem, however, is that the devil has made sex less about vulnerability and more about skill. Do you understand? And so now, people no longer understand that what we're looking for when we meet each other is the vulnerability that we have towards one another to satisfy each other's needs no the question people now ask is are you skillful enough are you getting it that's where the conversation on sexual compatibility comes in that is he or she skillful enough to satisfy my needs here's the problem though when you think about sex as skill, you'd realize that marriage does not allow for that kind of construct. Why? Because as it goes with skill, skill must be sharpened. Is that true? And skill is only sharpened by applying it in different contexts. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes, if you don't get it, forget about it. <laughs> Skill is only actually sharpened by applying it in different contexts. So if I married someone because of their sexual skills, soon enough, 
that skill will be dulled. So he or she will have to apply that skill in a different context so as to please me. And that's why a lot of people, a lot of marriages crash because a lot of people get bored with the sex in the marriage. Do you get? And the way sex has been taught to a lot of men, listen, we, we must talk about it. I know some of you are, why are we talking about sex? Let's just pray in tongues. The way sex has been presented in our society today is very dangerous. So, you hear questions like, should we do that? Are we allowed to do this in sex? You need to understand something. The Bible is silent on the matter because the only rule is please your partner in a way that pleases the Lord. Praise the Lord. But when you then make it about skill, do you see why marriage is the, is the right context for sex? Because if we are married, we are committed to each other. And so, if um, at a point my vulnerability is no longer, or if at a point what I'm doing is no longer satisfying your needs, because I'm vulnerable and open to you, and you are vulnerable and open to me, we can discuss it and pursue other routes, you know, to achieve the same goal of intimacy. Does this make sense? So it's not about compatibility. It's about compromise. That's what many people don't understand. That um, intimacy in marriage is about compromise, not compatibility. The person that is, do you know... (laughs) Let me just tell you something. Biologically speaking, the conversation around sex becomes less interesting to the females after they're done with childbirth. It's not, it's no longer as interesting to them as it is to the guys. So if it was skill that you went into that thing with, your skill would be useless. Telling the hormones will still be produced, but the conversation is no longer as interesting. Um, <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, have negotiables and non negotiables, and understand what your non negotiables are. Your non negotiable cannot be he must be good in bed. Do you get it? Because a lot of, see, we live in a hypersexual generation, and one day, one day I will do an explanation on how, see, the devil is smart. Let me tell you something, he's smart. You see this sex game that he's playing right now? is not new. It's as old as the Bible is. So if, you, if you sit down and do a research, you will draw parallels between now and Sodom and Gomorrah, you will just draw the parallel like this. Draw the next, they will just connect. So we live in a hypersexual generation, and one of the things, or one of the dangers of the hypersexual generation is that we have exalted sex to a point that it shouldn't be in. So, you have people, church folk, who they haven't had sex before. They are virgins and they, they've been keeping themselves because they love the Lord. 
right? But somewhere at the back of their minds, because we live in a hypersexual um, generation, they have this grand idea of what their first night must be like. Hallelujah. That, ah, that first night, if we reach house like this, scatter the kitchen, scatter tables, scatter everything. And this is the issue. We want to achieve skill and prominence on the first night. Or we want to achieve the skill and prominence on the first night that we should achieve after years of intimacy. After months of knowing each other, learning each other's body, what do you like, what do I... The society has taught you that if it's not like that the first night, something is wrong. So I have read so many reports of ladies who said, eh, I kept myself as a virgin, but the first sex was disappointing. What were you expecting? What were you expecting? And it goes both ways, though, even for guys, too. <laughs> you see, it was very disappointing. What were you really expecting? Praise God. So, if you're going to go back today, for those of you who are not yet dating or you are about to date, bring out your list, your spec list. If you don't have a spec list, write one. Bring out your spec list and ask yourself, what can I negotiate on and what can I not negotiate on or around? The third thing is identify your strengths and your flaws so that you will know what you bring to the table. Yes, sir. A lot of ladies endure insults they shouldn't endure because they don't know what they bring to the table. Yes, Specifically ladies. Guys too, but ladies most times. Identify your, your, your strengths and your flaws so you know what you bring to the table. And not only what you bring to the table, but you also know where you need help. You can't, you, listen, let me tell you something. A lot of arguments in relationships will not take place if one of both parties just agreed that what they're arguing about is a weakness in you know, their own life. Do you know what I mean? So you don't call me as frequently, you don't talk to me as, I, I wish we could talk more. And then the guy's like, don't you know I'm busy? Why are you talking like, mm. Do you have a communication problem or not? Do you understand? Wouldn't, it, wouldn't that conversation have gone better if she says, we don't talk as frequently as we should. Uh, some people are extreme. They want to talk to you morning and night. Every, they want to talk to you every time of the day. That one is extreme. Huh? In this economy that we are living in. First of all, credit is expensive. Secondly, man must work because man must chop. All right, so there has to be understanding. I'm going to get to that. But there are times when it's not a matter of understanding. It is true. You don't talk as much as you ought to. I mean, I don't care how busy your day was. Leave a good night. Do you get? Leave a text message. How are you? I was busy today. I'm sorry I didn't call. Um, I'll make it up to you tomorrow. How far? How you day? Or do a video call. Do a call. You just sleep. You just sleep. <laughs> and then she's complaining, and they're like, why are you always nagging me? No. Why don't you accept that you have a communication problem? 
So before you start dating, identify it. How frequently do I call those that I ought to call? Do you understand? So that when she starts complaining or when he starts complaining, you know, say, you know what? You are right. Because I need help. So let's do it like this. Call me. If you call, I'll pick the call. And I'm not asking you to call because you love me more than I love you. But I have a flaw here and I'm working on it. Do you understand? That's why it's important to identify your strengths and your flaws. So that when it's something that you are good at, you bring it to the relationship. Many men, myself included, our lives will be useless if we do not have women that were good at managing resources. Because you see, eh, I'm coming down for this one. Every man has an inner boy in him. And if you let that boy to express himself, he will waste money. He will just waste money. So they will just bring out PS5. And you have PS4. Nothing is wrong with your PS4. Just look at the PS4. Look at your salary. 400,000. PS5, 500,000. Hmm. Where do I get 100K from? <laughs> like, you are not thinking about what you will eat, how you will trust. No. Is that 100? I must add 100K to this 400, so I'll buy this PS5 because, man. Do you know what is weird? You now buy the PS5 and leave it in your house. You are not using it. So many, many of us, you will need... <laughs> I remember when my wife and I, we were dating. Then we were staying in Abuja. Every... Me, I like... I, I hate stress. So any small thing, let's go out for ice cream. Let's, one time, my wife said, let's stay in, stay in the house. <laughs> stay inside your house. <laughs> There's food at home. Stay in the house. <laughs> you know, that time, we would go out, and I was living on my own. She was living on her own. So, and if you've stayed in Abuja before, you know Abuja is not like Lagos. So you can, you can go to her house, pick her, go out, flex, come back, eat. Why did we go out to eat? What are we celebrating? Oh, nothing. There was no food in the house. So, so what she started doing was, some Saturdays, because I had a fridge in my house, I was working, and so I used to forget to cook. Then I had ulcer. So my excuse for going out was, I have ulcer, I need to keep eating so that. So she said, don't worry, I got you. She will cook rice, white rice, plenty. She puts it inside a bowl, she fry plantain and cook stew, then bring it to the house and put it inside the fridge. Don't go anywhere. So, it's important to know what your flaws are. It's important to know where you need help. And then you allow your partner help you. Do you get it? Alright, let's move to the next part of the teaching. Which is, what is a healthy relationship? Are you learning something this morning? Alright, what is a healthy relationship? Now, let's go, let's do biology, a little bit of biology. Between every living organism, there are five types of relationship. How many of you remember? You have competition, predation, commensalism. Do you remember? Parasitic relationship and mutualism. Do you remember those? Yes. 
ends. <laughs> Raise your hand if you remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you have five kinds of relationship. You have competition, you have commensalism, you have parasitism, predation, and mutualism. And I believe that those types of relationships exist even in dating. It's true. You have people date people who are competing with them in the relationship. It's true. So I'll just define, I'll actually just talk about four. And um, so you have commensalism. Commensalism is a relationship where one organism is benefiting from the relationship while the other organism is neither benefiting nor harmed. Have you seen relationships like that? Like, let me tell you, typically how you know such relationships is you see the woman, you see the guy she's dating, and then you're asking yourself that, why is this woman dating this guy? Like, what does this guy bring to the table? <laughs> There's that kind of a relationship. And that relationship isn't really dangerous, but it can create a problem because soon, the person who is neither benefiting nor getting harmed will look outside to benefit. Do you understand? Yes. Uh, so that's, that's the danger with that kind of a relationship. The second one is um, parasitism. Many of you are in parasitic relationships. Listen, hear me. You will end that relationship. Amen. Do you hear me? Yes. It's the word of God for you. A parasitic relationship is one where one party in the relationship is benefiting at the expense of the other party. At your expense is very dangerous. So you are a guy, you are dating a lady, she's not working, she's not hoping to work, she's not in school, she's not doing anything. How, so when they ask her, how do you make money? I have a boyfriend. She's a parasite. I'm telling you now. It is parasitic, stop it. Not in this economy. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? And vice versa. You know, sometimes I hear things how many of you saw the Netflix show, Tinder Swindler? How can you be in that kind of a relationship? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? So the person you are dating, out of the blues, you just travel somewhere. You have not seen you're not there to send uh, how many thousand dollars? He said, Peter is hot, send money. <laughs> My enemies are after me. <laughs> a lot of people are in parasitic relationships. And it's dangerous. So, and listen, listen, I know I'm talking about romantic relationships, but it applies to friendships in your life. Yes, sir. You know friends that you cannot meet for help, but once they need help, it's you they will call. Yes, Such friends, give them space. Give them a distance. 
Now, I'm not saying you can't meet them for help because they, you know that if they, want, if they could help, they would have helped. No, I'm not talking about that scenario. I'm talking about friends that you know that if they can help, they will not help you, but when they need help, they will call you. Give them space. See, parasitic relationship, it, it, is, it is detrimental to you. And this is the thing, with biology, you can see the, um, the detrimental effect on the hosts. So for instance, if you are hosting Plasmodium, which is malaria parasite, if you are hosting the malaria parasite, we can see the effect on you. You have malaria. Is that correct? But when it comes to psychological and emotional relationships, the effect takes time to build up. So you will now find people who have trust issues, who have loyalty problems. Why? Because they've been loyal to people who refuse to be loyal to them. So the next person, they refuse to be loyal. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. You need to end relationships like that. Or give them space. Just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Even as a pastor, I give people like that space. There are people who, once there's a prayer that they need you to pray for them, they will call you. Once there's a need, they will call you. They have never once come to church, never once promoted what you are doing, never once said to people that, oh, I know this man, he does a great job pastoring. I don't stay around him, but you do go to his church. Never once. They have your number for one purpose alone, to drink from you. You have friends who never once have they said, what does your business need? How can I be of help? But once they need something, they will say, Alpha, Shabi, you're so clothes now. Alpha, run for me. <laughs> and, then, and then you think, oh, it's just friendship. I have to be there for them. Listen. There is a place of love and committing to people and being loyal to people, but don't cast your pearls before swine. I'm not calling your friends pigs, even if some of them are dirty. I'm not, call, I'm not calling your friends pigs. I'm saying give commitment to the people that deserve commitment. Stay away from parasitic relationships. For those of you in school, stay away from relationships that are detrimental to your academics. Um, listen, what I've said is very true. Pay attention to it. Stay away from relationships that don't benefit your career, that don't benefit your life. So if somebody is coming into your life, let them know that there was an already existing structure and ambition. And if you are going to come with me, I, I love you and I'm not going to date you just because of what you can bring to my structure and ambition, but don't be detri detrimental to it. Do you get it? Don't kill what God has put in my hands. So I've talked about commensalism, I've talked about parasitism, right? The third one is um, predation or predators. People who kill people just to benefit off of them. And you might think it's not common, but it is. It is. Ladies who enter into relationships solely because they want to milk the person of his money. 
You are a predator. God will punish you. Men who enter into a relationship just because of sex, you are a predator and God will punish you. <laughs> of course, God is not going to punish you, but you know what I mean. And when you identify, listen, see, sisters in the Lord, can I get an amen from you? Amen. Good. When you identify red flags, pay attention to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Give an excuse once, give an excuse two times, give an excuse three times, but at some point, stop giving excuses. Yes, Same thing with brothers in the house, amen. amen? Good. When you identify red flags, pay attention to them. Give an excuse once. So you have, you are dating somebody that the only time you get any kind of love from her is when she wants to get something from you. In fact, how you know she wants something is she becomes affectionate. She say, ah, ever since you came into my life, I have found fulfillment and joy. You just say, what do you, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> Honestly, if you are in that kind of a relationship, you are dating a predator. I hate to be the harbinger of bad news, but it is what it is. What is a healthy relationship? A healthy relationship is mutualism, where both parties benefit from each other. Both parties benefit from each other. And a healthy relationship is built on the pillars of communication. You might want to write this down. Communication, understanding, trust, time and respect. I'll take it again. A healthy relationship is built on the pillars of communication, understanding, trust, time, and respect. Should I say it again? A healthy relationship is built on the pillars of communication, understanding, trust, time, and respect. Now, this thing I just said is not just for romantic relationships. It applies to every relationship. Listen, I want to say something that is controversial, but please, I need you to see my heart. A lot of relationships you have with your parents are not healthy because there's no respect in the relationship. You respect them, but they don't respect you. Is that true? They don't respect your decisions. They don't respect... A healthy relationship has to have all of those things. And, you, and the way it works is... Truly, you can't have one independent of the other. Do you get what I'm saying? It takes time to truly communicate. Do you understand? And it takes understanding to truly communicate. But this is the funny thing. When you communicate, you now build deeper understanding. But then your communication must be stewarded by respect. And respect is only given when there's trust. Are you getting it? Yes, so you see how you can't have um, communication without trust or respect without giving time or time without understanding. You can't have any of all of those things. So if you're going to build a healthy relationship, you must have all of those things. Give the relationship time. 
I said it before, stop comparing your own raw material to other people's finished products. My wife and I, we dated how many years? We dated four years, then got married. And then we've been married two years now, right? And so we've been together for six years. You just started, we are not your standard. Do you understand? First and foremost, the word of God is your standard. Amen. Amen. Good. Secondly, I want what they have. Understand that what they have took time to get. So don't want what they have if you are not willing to spend the time they spent. Give your relationship time. Give, give, listen. Give um, time for communication. Listen, that whole idea of, I said it one time, and listen, even I have been guilty of what I'm, I'm saying to you right now. I said it once, why won't he listen to me? If he truly loved me, he would have taken note of it. It's not true. Newsflash, you are not the only thing he's thinking about. You are not the only thing she's thinking about. So it is possible for them to have forgotten things you said. Do you understand? So what do you do? Say it again. Don't end a great relationship because you are not willing to repeat yourself. You can't ask for patience if you are not willing to be patient. It's just like in scripture, you can't, you can't, you can't receive love and not show love. Are you getting it? So you now say, if he truly loved me, and I'm saying this because a lot of ladies fall into this category. If he truly loved me, he will pay attention to the things I'm saying. Yes. We wish it was an ideal world where one day in the middle of the night you were sleep talking and then you said you wanted to buy a Benz and then he was sleeping. But as you just started talking, he just woke up, my queen is speaking. She wants Benz. Then you now, he now bought the Benz like two weeks later. Remember, how did you know? He now said, you said it in your sleep. Listen, we wish he paid that kind of attention to you. All right, and this is not an excuse for those of you who are in relationships and you don't pay attention to the person you are dating. The person you are dating, male or female, deserves all of your attention. But it is unfortunate that we cannot give all of our attention all of the time to one person. Do you get it? See, I'm a pastor. By default, my mind is always thinking about church. Always. Like once, my wife knows sometimes we go to bed, it's late, and I lie down. I just get up and go back to my workstation. And then she knows it's church. Something just came to mind. Something I need to do. Something I need to check up. Update something. Sometimes I send the pastor's messages by 3 a.m. Because I was up thinking about something. That's the, that's the only way we can be successful. So, it would be unfair for her to now say, if you really loved me, you won't be thinking about church as much as you are thinking. Do you get it? Don't put your partner in that situation. But you now say, choose between me and your career. <laughs> listen, listen, marriage is compromise. I think next week we'll talk more about marriage. Marriage is compromise. 
And so there will be times when choices must be made. I might have to choose between you and my career. I might have, be, have to choose between this and this. And because I, I, I promised to be committed to you, I will make a compromise for you. But it is unfair to say, if you really loved me, you would stop thinking about this. You would stop having all those meetings. You would stop. Do you get what I'm saying? Give the relationship time. Let there be understanding. As a married man, there's something I have come to learn about myself. I didn't know it when I was unmarried. But sometimes I just want to be alone. That does, I don't want my wife to leave the house. No, I don't want to be that lonely. <laughs> I want her to be somewhere in the house, but not where I am. Yeah. Just sometimes. Am I saying the truth? <laughs> Sorry, Lady Antonia, you are just finding out. <laughs> but it's a thing. Do you understand? It's a thing. So now, regardless of how I feel, I have to understand also that my wife has needs. Sometimes she wants to be around her husband. And that I want to be alone, notwithstanding, my wife needs to be around her husband. So a compromise needs to be made. Understanding is important. Don't now say, why are you always pestering me? Why are you always, can't you, don't, shift. <laughs> if you are dating a lady or you are dating a guy and the guy calls you and says, please, um, I might not be able to, you know what, this weekend I'm going to be with so, so, so person. I will be in Pastor Joe's house and we are retreating. I'm going to switch off my phone, so I'm only going to message you in the evenings. Please understand, I really need to take time to clear my head. Don't now say, what kind of nonsense is that? So do you mean that for three days I will not talk to you? <laughs> if he needs to take time for his mental health, give him time. If she needs to take time for her mental health, give her time. But then that does not now mean that you will now tell her, this weekend, we'll see you on Monday. Something's wrong with you. Because even if you want to take time, let them know where you are, what you are doing, what's going on. So for instance, this past week, I was away from my wife from Wednesday. Um, I, went, I went for a retreat. So I was at a retreat from Wednesday till Friday, and I went to Abuja, and then I came back last night. But then I made sure to update my wife. So we're going now for this session. So I won't be able to talk to you till maybe 10 hours later. Or, okay, I've gotten back now. Someone just upsets me, but see my face. You see my face, but good night. I'm tired. <laughs> you know, something like that. Just so, and that you would do that. So this is how it works. The person is understanding, but you must respect the person enough to be accountable. Do you see how it works? The interplay of all of them. So you must respect the person enough to be accountable. Do you get it? Uh-huh. Don't just say, ah. Yeah. So you're playing game with your guys. You've been playing game from morning to night. Your babe has been calling you. She, every, you look at the phone, you drop it. You look at the phone, you do, and then, you know there's this thing boys always say that, please, if, I, if we start playing FIFA, even me, I hate it. That I'm playing FIFA with you, then you're not answering phone call. You're answering your babe, please don't do that. I don't like it. But notwithstanding, if your babe calls, you pick the call, you tell her, babe, I'm gaming with the guys, can I call you back? 
If she says, oh, it's important, we need to talk, you tell your guys, somebody you've won. <laughs> somebody else should come up, please. Right? You will not die. Please, please, don't call me when I'm playing game, I'll fight you. But you will not die if you don't win that game. Praise the Lord. So let there be an interplay of trust, of time spent, of communication. Don't, don't, listen. I think we ought to do a, a singles and married conference sometime. Yes, uh, we're looking for where to fit it in. There is a way to have arguments in a relationship. Things that you should never say. And things that, some of those things that we should never say, a lot of, his, a lot of us say it all the time. Let me give you an example. Your partner does something that upsets you. Then you now say, every time, you will always, you, that's how day before yesterday. Don't bring past experience, don't bring them into the present argument. I wish I was perfect and I, was, I used to do what I'm saying. <laughs> but myself, I'm learning. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Can I be honest with you? Yes. yes. Myself, I'm learning how to do it. Right, where I would say, I'll, because sometimes I'm arguing, and you know, sometimes there's a temptation to want to win the argument. Let me say this when you're arguing with your partner, it's not you against your partner, it is you and your partner against whatever is making you argue. Do you understand? Learn team management. Ha! Ah. But sometimes I want to win the argument, and me, I'm excellent at arguments. And my mind, I have very good recall. Four weeks ago, on Thursday, around 9 p.m., you said this. <laughs> and so, you now stop arguing about what you are arguing about now and start arguing about four weeks ago. Then, somebody will now say something in that argument that will trigger another three weeks back. So, by the time you have been arguing for 30 minutes, you now be asking yourself, where did we start from? How did we get here? Communication. A lot of us don't know how to communicate. The Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. So there are some things that you need to learn. If you've upset your partner and your partner yelled at you, that is not the time to say you shouldn't yell at me. That's the time to say sorry. There you go. Then later... When they are watching TV and you ambush them. Hi. So remember how you yelled at me that <laughs> don't do it again. Do you understand? A soft answer turns away wrath. It's not when they are upset, you know, be saying, you are up, why, you are, why are you talking? Why are you shouting at me? A lot of ladies do that. You have upset the guy. He's angry. And you know he has a right to be angry. You are now angry that he's angry. <laughs> Learn how to communicate. Effective, effective communication. I don't have to say this, but I will say it. If your partner is verbally abusive, start considering leaving that relationship. That they are repeatedly verbally abusive. Once in a while, we say things we don't mean to say. That's different. But when your partner 
Is he is quick or she is quick to say you are a dunce? You are stupid. How can you be so stupid? You should start considering that this relationship is like there's no way this thing is. Because for someone to speak that way to you, they don't respect you. You know how I know? Because no matter how angry your partner is at the military man, he won't call him stupid. The same thing applies to, let me tell you now, caveat. If your partner is physically abusive, notice I did not say if your boyfriend, because women too can be physically abusive. If your partner is physically abusive, leave the relationship. Do you understand? Just shift back. There is nothing like, I was so angry. Because I remember, um, was it two years ago, I was driving last year, and we were driving through a street. How many of you drive in Lagos? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Those of you that drive in Lagos, do you agree that sometimes you do be moving mad because of Lagosians that are mad? <laughs> so I was driving through the streets, and some guy just cut me off. Like there was a way he just entered the road that he almost hit my car, and I was so upset, I wound down to give him a piece of my mind. Then I saw military cap on his. <laughs> Who was in the car with me that day? You were in the car? Yes. I just greeted him. <laughs> you don't want to read the headline that pastor swims in gutter. <laughs> now greet her, greet her. I just said, well done, sir. Carry your madness and go. <laughs> So there's no such thing as I was so angry I couldn't control myself. So I slapped her. Or I slapped him. Or I got angry. I, ca- I wanted to hurt him. I wanted it to me. So I carried his MacBook and threw it inside water. <laughs> no, no, you shout. But haven't you heard people say things like that before? I wanted to hurt him. So I went to key his car. Do you know how much it costs to paint the car? So I went to key his car. Are you a child? <laughs> How can I sleep? How can I? So we will not get married. How can I sleep on the same bed with you? Because this is, ladies are a mystery. A woman can be angry at you and you will not know. For, <laughs> so you will now be upset. We will now go to bed. Me thinking that you are okay. You not keep me in my sleep. <laughs> because you wanted it to hurt me. So if your partner is physically abusive, stay away. Are you, do you hear me? Yes, sir. If he hits you, stay away. Ladies, if your partner hits you, stay away. Guys, if your partner hits you, I know you are stronger than her uh, most times. Most times. Because <laughs> there are some cases. <laughs> I know that you are stronger than her. I know that you are being a gentleman by not hitting back. But if she hits you, stay away. Do you get it? Because whatever she uses to justify that act of violence, it will lead her to killing you. I think, um, was it last year, I read of a pastor somewhere in Podakot, I think, who stabbed his wife 72 times. Now, do you realize that 
he did not just wake up and stab his wife. It started from calling her names, pushing her, slapping her, punching her. Then one day he got so angry, he reached for the nearest thing, picked up a knife, and kept stabbing till. And do you know the funny thing? By the time he's done, he will now realize what he has done. There is no amount of love that will fix it. Stay away. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. I forgive you from afar. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm very serious. Listen, there are not many things that would make me tell a married couple to stay apart from each other. But see, almost at the top of my list is that he beats the woman or she beats him. I'm serious. I don't know what the argument we're having is that you will now raise your hand and slap me. My mother doesn't slap me. She's the one that bombed me. <laughs> Why do you think you have a right to slap? Explain. Because if you slap me, we'll stop the first argument. I'll say, all right, present your... <laughs> what made you think that slapping me was reasonable? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. A healthy relationship must be built on the principles of communication, understanding, trust, time, and respect. All right? Yes, sir. Anything short of this is toxic. Of course, the beautiful thing about a healthy relationship is because of the time factor, a healthy relationship gives the opportunity for these principles to be grown properly. So, we might not be perfect at the beginning, but I can see the efforts to trust one another, to be understanding. I can see respect. I can see communication going on. It might not be where it's meant to be, but I can see the efforts to grow. So, we give it time. Do you understand? But anything short of that is a toxic relationship. It's dangerous for you. You are in a relationship where the person is consistently gaslighting you. Stay away. To be honest, I don't even really know the definition of gaslighting, but it sounds nice. I do know what it means, but... Praise the Lord. Communication is important. Sometimes people do things and don't realize that that's what they are doing. Bring it up. Why, you know... Why is it that nothing I do is ever good enough? Because some people, because of their personality type, they are perfectionists. And so except they are the ones that did it by themselves. Do you have bosses like that? That except they did it by themselves is not good. Funny thing, when they come and do it by themselves, they'll do exactly what you did. Now, someone like that that has developed that character trait will get married. And in his home, in her home, they would have to collaborate. The wife might do things, the husband might, and without knowing it, he, will, he or she will carry that character trait into the relationship. So in a situation like that, the partner is not just supposed to get up and go. The partner is supposed to call the person and say, do you realize that nothing I do is ever good enough? Why? When they ask you, don't now say, eh, because you are incompetent now. <laughs> Because you are incompetent. Or how can you accuse me of that? If you do it well, I will... No. Oh, really? Do you think that? Give me an example. 
Just so I will know what you are saying. Don't not give me an example as, oh yeah. <laughs> but give me an example so I can have an understanding or an idea of what you are saying. You, like for instance, we did this, you said no. I did this, you said no. I did. And when you find out that, oh, she may have a point, he may have a point. I'm sorry. I will work on it. Help me work on it. End of conversation. Praise the Lord. Have you learned something this morning? Yes, sir. All right, stand up. I'm going to pray the same prayer we prayed last week. I'm going to pray and say, Lord, give me the wisdom to steward my relationship right. And then there's a second prayer. Some of you, as I was talking, there are relationships you know you need to end. Not just romantic relationships, um, relationships now, but friendships also that you know you ought to end. You're going to pray and say, Father, give me the courage to do what I need to do. Okay? Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Lord, give me the wisdom to steward my, relationship, my relationships right and then give me the courage to come out of relationships that shouldn't, I shouldn't be in. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen and amen. All right, sit down. Um, so this is not common, but um, someone had a question, and you know sometimes uh, the question will choke you, that you just ask it. So the person sends the question forward, and um, I'm not taking any other question, no, so don't get any ideas. <laughs> I'm just going to respond to this one that is in my hand. Some of you are now wishing that I wish, I wish, I, they didn't tell us now, I, it's not a thing. <laughs> if you have questions, um, relationship questions, send them to the, can you just project the email address again? Send them to the email address I'll be showing on the screens very soon. There's supposed to be a .com after the Gmail. All right. <laughs> so send them to the email address um, that's showing on the screen so that we'll respond to them. What are we doing this Wednesday? Marriage. Marriage. Who's taking it? Pastor David. Okay. Hallelujah. I mean now, I mean. <laughs> All right. So this person's question is this. Is it normal to be angry? The person says, I think being angry sometimes is not abusive. Moses in the Bible got angry and he had to hit the rock with his staff more times than God instructed. I think that was anger in another dimension. So, anger is an emotion that God puts in everybody. All right? So, anger itself is not a bad emotion. However, or should I say God puts, anger is an emotion and it's not bad. However, um, just like every other emotion, if you allow the emotion control your actions, you can produce negative um, results. You know what I mean? Yes. So, for instance, even, even, have you ever been so excited that you become too forward? Yes. That you now have to dumb it down. That, okay, okay, okay. Okay, I know I'm too excited. Now, is it bad to be excited? You just don't let that emotion control you. Do you understand? Same thing with anger. So, for instance, perfect example that you cited, it was okay for Moses to be angry at the children of Israel. In fact, it was necessary. 
they were breaking the commands of God. They were saying things that they shouldn't say. And he, he had put up with their shenanigans for far too long. It was okay to be upset with them. But what wasn't okay was allowing the anger lead you to flout God's instruction. God says, speak to the rock, you strike the rock. And then that's not okay. Do you get what I'm saying? So anger is good. Anger is necessary. I mean, I said it last week. If you are in talking stage with a person who has never gotten angry with you, and you people have been in talking stage for long, you should be suspicious. Because it either means the person is not allowing himself or herself express their emotions towards you. And that's very, very suspicious. Because when you start dating the person and you see the person angry for the first time, it will shock you and you will feel scammed. Do you get uh-huh. So anger is good. Anger is not a bad thing. But allowing the anger control your words, control your actions, is where the problem is. You should never get so angry that you lose your mind. You start slapping the person, hitting the person. No. Try as much as possible. And of course, we are all human beings. And um, um, once in a while... We, we say things we shouldn't say, you know, in a bout of anger. But here's a very good way to train yourself. Draw the line when you are not angry. Do you understand? Draw the line so much so that your subconscious mind knows where the line is. That no matter how angry I get, I, I, I won't insult. I won't hit. I won't um, resort to abuse. So anger is not a bad thing. But it must be managed. It must be controlled, like every other emotion. Did I answer this question? Yes. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.